The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing your nation's public radio source for what you need to know to build your wealth through investing in real estate. And today is question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate, which means I came in here completely without a topic. The topic is whatever you would like to discuss, be it about buying properties or selling them or management or borrowing money or the real estate market or whatever you would like to talk about all you have to do to participate in real life real estate investing's question and answer weekend my goodness i do hope you participate is give us a call at 772-9658 if you're here in the greater cincinnati area if you are calling from outside the greater Cincinnati area, listening to us online on wmkvfm.org. You can call toll-free 877-772-9658, Or you can send us an email. You can go to askvina.com and uh, simply enter your email in the response box there. It'll say, ask Vina a question. Uh, Put your question in there. You'll notice at the bottom it says, blank in blank. That in is for you to say where you are in the world. So you might see something like George in the WMKV studios, or you might say Fred in Florida. So that uh, gives me a little bit of... um, background into what your market might be like. Again, question answer week on Real Life Real Estate, 877-772-9658. Here uh, is our toll-free long distance number. You can also give us a call at 772-9658 in the Cincinnati area or go to askvena.com. Remember, there is no show without you. By the way, if you have questions at any time that you are I don't know, in the middle of the night, you wake up and you think, oh my goodness, I just realized I don't know how to screen tenants and I own rental properties. Whatever shall I do? You can go to askvina.com at any time. And then if you want to remember to actually listen to the show, you can do that by receiving our free weekly e-letter. It always contains an article of interest about the current market as well as information about the upcoming program. Get that at askvina.com too. That's A S K V like in Victor E N A dot com. 
starting to get some questions in now, which is always a big relief here on Question and Answer Week. Uh, first question is from Tara in Iowa. She says, I've noticed in my area about 99% of investor buyers are looking to purchase rentals and not retail flips. What is the best way to analyze a rental in order to wholesale it to one of these buyers? One of the main reasons I ask is that these buyers are paying in all different ranges. And from my research, most are buying from the MLS or sheriff sale, not doing their own marketing. That is a, that is a, an even more interesting question than you think it is, Tara, because uh, first thing is, there's a lot of perception in here that's on your side that uh, investor buyers are looking for purchase to purchase rentals and not retail deals. I bet you that that is true of the investor buyers that you know. It's probably true of the investor buyers that are in your real estate association. I bet you belong to one and I bet it's called something like something landlords association or something rental property owners association. And it therefore attracts the exact kind of buyer that you are talking about. I promise you there are folks in your area that are buying, fixing, and selling properties, you are just not seeing them because they are not gathering together at meetings the way the landlords are. So don't give up on the idea of buying properties that are retailable. I assume people in Iowa still buy houses to live in. If there are people in Iowa who buy houses that they want to live in, there's people in Iowa buying houses to fix up so that those people can live in them. The second thing is you mentioned that the buyers are paying in all different ranges and that therein <laughs> lies the problem uh, in terms of giving you a number and saying, oh, well, all landlords will pay X percent of the value of a property. Uh, landlords, unlike retailers, focus on different aspects of the profit that can come out of rentals. Some are very, very interested in the current cash flow and not so interested in the overall price. Others don't really care so much about how much money am I going to make every month right now. What they care about is how much am I going to make when I retire and how much equity am I buying right this second. So the the way to go about um, sort of figuring out what these people are doing and why is go ask them. Talk to your buyers. Say, what would make you want to buy a property here in Iowa? What is your favorite kind of property? How do you figure out what you're going to pay? Do you, do you have some formula like 60% of the after repair value, less repair costs, which by the way is a very common formula, Tara? Or do you have a formula based on return? Like do you say, I want a 12% cash on cash return on the property, uh, which by the way is another very common formula for single family homes. Um, ask around. Uh, you'll you'll probably find that there's two or three formulae that are in use a lot, and that they apply to different types of properties. Uh, you'll you'll typically find that the folks who are buying properties in uh, the mid range houses, are like like starter homes, but they're renting them, uh, are looking to pay a particular percentage of value. Where the folks in the lower end homes are looking for a certain cash flow or return. But yes, Tara, talk to your buyers. That's uh, an important step for every wholesaler. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer week. We're going to go to the phone now, starting on line one with David here in Cincinnati. David, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Vina. How are you? Very good, David. How are you? Good, good. I have a, um, a property in, in downtown Cincinnati, and I have some um, difficult tenants 
They don't always pay on time, and they are now month to month, and they have been for quite some time. What is the um, is is it easier to get rid of someone if they're month to month versus just kind of evicting them? I'm just not kind of sure what what kind of rights or authority or power I have in terms of getting these people out. If I say yes, your month, you know, I'm, I'm going to terminate your lease now. You've got to be out by the thirtieth. What if they're not out by the thirtieth? Well, uh, yes. Okay. Let's 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 take one step backwards, David. I, I if you listen to the program, you know I, I play devil's advocate a lot. And sure. let me let me ask you this: When they pay late, do they pay their late fees? Um, no, I, I haven't been charging them late fees. I'm, I'm too nice of a tenant. Um, they simply just uh, um, are just. Um, just Paying behind, they're actually behind right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, okay. No, number one is toughen up, because if you let, <laughs> I know. If you let, I've gotten tough on all my other properties. <laughs> this one, it's just it, it it doesn't flow very much, and it's always a pain to get someone in there. Period. Mm-hmm. So when I have someone in there, I try to kind of nurture them along because if I don't have anyone, then I lose a lot of money each month, and I I'd rather be a little behind than mm-hmm. than lose a lot each month. Well. Let me tell you, David, uh, tenants pretty much treat you the way you teach them to treat you. And yeah. uh, the reason, of course, I asked the question about were they paying the late fees? I, I have a very expensive property and the payment is extraordinarily high when I when it's vacant. I, it's just it, it'll kill the cash flow from three other properties <laughs> in the months right. that it's vacant. And because of the timing in which I bought it, the even when I'm getting rent, it doesn't quite cover the mortgage payment. Except that the tenant that I have in that house has been late with her rent for about 32 of the last 36 months. And by the time now she I I always end up, you know, getting the money. It may be on the 15th. It may be on the 20th. But she always pays the 10 percent late fee. And that is what has kept that property afloat for the last five years is that she she is paying like one hundred and fifty dollars a month in late fees by the time she pays her 10 percent. So. You know, the first move with this might not be empty it, since empty is a problem. The first, yeah. the first, the first uh, move might be to go to them and say, "Look, you seem like nice people. I can tell there's issues here, but you know what? I got a mortgage payment to make, or neither one of us is going to have a roof over our heads. So, the payment will be here on the first next month, and if it's not here by the fifth, there's going to be a ten percent penalty. And if it's not here by the tenth, uh, which is the first day you can deliver notice, uh, you're going to be getting an eviction notice. So uh, okay. we can do it, you know, we can do it your way, or we can do it my way. Either way, I'm going to get my rent on time, whether it's from you or someone else. Yeah. And you know, I, I've got I've got two other properties that I've I've now. Uh, or four other properties, actually, they're, they're duplexes, and I've got them. I've got them all rented and all situated. So I've been pecking them off one by one, and getting them <laughs> shored up. You know, because you can't do them all at once. You know, it's, just, it's too much to deal with. Yeah, um, I, I get so, it. So, so but... this is the last one that I'm coming up against, and, and I guess that's kind of was going to be my approach. That I was going to take a tough stance and say, "Listen, either you pay. In fact, rent's going to go up. Either you pay it or get out." And I didn't know what to do at that point if they just don't pay well okay so if they don't pay that that's actually the faster process <laughs> if they if they don't pay uh i assume your lease has a, a an on-time rent date and a late rent date yeah. something like yeah. the first and third or first and fifth okay if they have not paid by midnight on the late rent day you issue them a three-day notice you can get a copy of that from the hamilton county court okay oh. that three-day notice says you have three days to pay or move and then if those 
three days pass. And by the way, you can't count the day you delivered it. So it's really not a three-day notice. It's really a four-day notice or a five-day notice. Then you go down, you file the eviction. Uh, they post the door, blah, blah, blah. You get your court date probably 20, 25 days later. And uh, if they still haven't moved, you can call the sheriff 10 days later and they set you out. That's uh, They set out the tenant, excuse me. They're not going to set you out for evicting the tenant. Uh, we're not there yet. Uh, now, if they if they do pay and you decide you just you just need to get rid of them yeah. because you just cannot take the late thing, what you have to give them, even though they are no longer on a lease, is a 30-day notice. The 30-day notice has to encompass an entire rental period. So uh, today is April 24th, thus dating the show so that George cannot run it as an evergreen ever. Uh, today is April 24th. You would want to give them the 30-day notice on the 30th to be out on June the 1st. Okay. If you give it to them on May the 2nd, it would have to be to be out July the 1st. Okay. It has to encompass an entire rental period. Okay. Okay. Now, the fact that you gave them notice on May the 30 or April the 30th does not mean they don't have to pay their rent on May the 1st. If they don't pay their rent on May the 1st, you can toss that one, proceed with the with the regular eviction for non-payment. Okay. Okay. Now, say in the event that I go ahead and give them the 30-day notice, um, what if they're not out in 30 days? If they're not out in 30 days, you start the eviction process on the... Then you go through that cycle. Right. Right. But it it sounds like what what you said through Hamilton County, it's a a 30-day process basically to evict someone if if you're on top of it um did i understand that right uh, that is approximately okay. correct yes and wow that's that's faster than i i thought I, I guess i've always heard horror stories how it takes months and months and months to get people out well it takes it does take I, a lot of that that you hear is people who aren't even delivering their first notice till the 15th of the month you know and then they're saying oh well i lost two months around well yeah you did because you got started late and then you didn't file things on time and Right. Blah blah blah. Um, realistically, if they are if they don't move, if they make you set them out, which is not terribly uncommon, I guess, uh, you're probably looking at forty five days till their stuff is on the curb from the day you file the eviction. Okay. 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 Um, fair enough. Uh, is is it ever possible to? I mean, I guess this is this is going too far, but to, to I mean, I I know where the person works. Is it? Can you garnish their wages if they're that far behind in rent or anything Not like that? Not only can you, but you should. Uh, again, you know, we t- t- tenants treat us as a an industry the way we teach them to, and the way we've taught them as an industry to teach us is not pay your last month's rent. And don't worry yeah. about any damages you've done, because no right. one's ever going to go after you. Now, there's a there's a process to that as well. You actually have to get a judgment in order to do that. You can't just, you know go down to the court and say, he didn't pay his rent. Start taking part of his paycheck. Uh, right. The judgment is second cause in an eviction. So you do have to go back to court one more time and say, yeah, he did. You know, here's 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 the damage deposit I had. Here's the rent they didn't pay. And then here is the uh, damages that I actually had to fix. So they owe me X dollars and I want a judgment for it. And once you have that judgment, you can start garnishing wages and all kinds of other cool stuff. Okay. Okay, hopefully it won't come to that. Um, hopefully it won't come to that. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they will stay for another 10 years and they will pay you a late fee every month. I... For the next 10 years. <laughs> one, can, one can hope. <laughs> one can hope, yes. All right. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thank you very much for your call, David. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Appreciate that. And if you're listening to Real Life Real Estate from outside of the state of Ohio, there will be some similar process in your state, but you need to know 
that the time frames are often different and uh, they're 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 called other things than evictions in other parts of the world like forcible detainers and so on uh we're going to take a quick break you're listening to question and answer week here on real life real estate you can email questions by going to the website askvina.com or you can give us a call at 877-772-9658 Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and my guest today is you, if you have <laughs> any questions about real estate investing, any aspect of it, from tenants to buyers to sellers to whatever. You can give us a call here in the studio if you are listening to the sound of my voice because your radio is on in your car you can call our local number. It's 772-9658. If you're listening through to me through your computer speakers or an iPhone app, chances are you're not in the greater Cincinnati area and you should call our toll-free number at 877-772-9658. If you are listening to us on the podcast, don't bother to call because this show happened a week, week ago or more, but you can always listen live on Wednesdays from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at wmkvfm.org and that's a way to get your questions answered uh, while we are on the show and you know oftentimes I have a guest with some special area of expertise and uh, then you call me weeks later with a question on it because you listen to the uh, podcast and are just now catching up with what is going on on real life real estate you can certainly uh, do that anytime but we are live from five to six or if you know we're live from five to six but haven't checked out the podcast you can do that go to itunes it's under real life real estate a question from uh lydia lydia in orlando she says in the past i did a campaign for out-of-state owners but most of the people that called me back were either upset that they got the mail or were not motivated sellers uh, I'm sorry, I have to I have to stop there. I know that's not your question, Lydia, but I have to stop there and say, uh, if you don't get a call from a person who, for some reason, is upset that they got a piece of mail every so often, you are not doing enough marketing. And it really disturbs real estate investors when they, you know, they mail out a postcard that says, hey, I'd be interested in buying your house. And someone takes the time to pick up the phone and call and yell at them. Why did you put that mail in my box? Why? How dare you want to buy my house? And uh, they'll often just sort of give up on the whole campaign thing. Um, it happens and it's weird. I mean, like when you get a piece of mail you don't want, what do you do with it? You throw it away, right? You don't pick up the phone and call the person who sent it to you and say, how dare you clog up my mailbox with things I don't want to read. Uh, so yeah, it's going to happen to you. And it's not it's not particular to out-of-state owners, although you're indicating that there were several people maybe who did this. So you might want to take a look at whatever your mailing campaign was and uh, see if that could have had anything to do with it. Uh, but let me actually answer your question now that I said what I wanted to say. Uh, I've been considering a mail out to probate and or divorced people. OK, um, two very touchy things. All right. Uh if you are mailing divorces, be aware that you're going to get a lot of deals that uh, are overfinanced. And the reason the people need to sell is because they cannot afford the property on one income 
also be aware that you are going to find yourself in a lot of situations where one of the two people wants to sell and the other one doesn't, and you're going to feel like you're playing marriage counselor. And under no circumstances, under no circumstances, if you're going to do that mailing, do you put the word divorce, divorcing, uh, anything in the in the mailing? I had a I had a student one time who notified a woman that she was getting divorced through her mailing, which I mean she found she. That student, of course, found it in the public record. The woman got the letter, called her up and said, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not getting divorced. Well, yeah, she was. She just didn't know it. So be careful with those. Um, uh, do you recommend that I buy a list from a broker, go to the courthouse, or contact attorneys? My time is limited. I wanted to get more for my money and time invested. Uh, one of the list brokers I used may have gone out of business since their website is frozen and no one answers the phone. Um, I know you don't want to give any names on the radio. It's not that I don't want to give any names on the radio, Lydia. It is the it is the downside that goes with all the upsides of public radio. Like, you don't get sold to constantly here, you know. It's not... And now, if you want to know the rest of the story, buy my guest's course. You get actual information. The downside is we also can't say, and my guest has a great course, and here's what it's called. So uh, if you can get a if you can get a probate list from a list broker, in some areas those are available and some they are not. It depends on how easily available they are at the courthouse. List brokers typically aren't going to send someone down to the courthouse to find probate so that they can sell you a list. It's that's just not economically feasible, given that there are, I don't know, 800 counties in the country or something like that. Uh, so if you can get a probate list that way, uh, that's a that's a perfectly good way to do it. I don't know of any list brokers who specifically have probate lists in Orlando, Florida. So even if I even if I could tell you, I wouldn't know the answer to that. Um, going to the courthouse or sending somebody to the courthouse is always a good way to do that. Uh, again, be careful with what it is that you are mailing to probates. Uh, don't avoid the fact that somebody has died. You know, offer your condolences. And if I may make one more suggestion, since you don't seem to relish getting those why did you write me calls, uh, I found that I get a lot of those calls from probate only when I have written to the spouse of the deceased person. If, 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 if it's a child who's inherited the property, a niece, nephew, church friend, distant cousin, they tend to more want to sell. If it's the spouse, I get the call about, why do you want to buy my house? How dare you? So again, be careful with that, Lydia. But yes, that is that is a good list. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer week. We're going to go to line one, Steve calling from Cincinnati. Steve, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, thank you very much. Uh, I'd like a very simple explanation of a REIT. And also the tax ramifications, if you may, about the the returns during the REIT. And if it's all right, I'll hang up and listen on, on the air. Uh, that is absolutely perfectly fine, Steve, if you would like to do that. Um, uh, Steve is, of course, referencing real estate investment trusts and uh, also called REITs. And uh, REITs are a passive investment that uh, a, a lot of folks that are sort of, you know, real life real estate listeners, they, they know about them, but they don't invest in them because you don't get to choose the buildings or the types of properties that they're buying and so on. Um, it is, uh, you wanted a simple explanation. And <laughs> uh, the simple explanation would be that uh, they, 
sort of almost like turn real estate into a stock. They tend to be um, pretty liquid. If you want to get out of uh, your investment in a REIT, you can sell it if it's traded uh, on the stock market. REITs invest in a lot of different things. You know, some of them will will be very specialized to office buildings or very specialized to uh, retail space, or there's some uh, single-family home REITs now. There's uh, malls, you know, all of that sort of thing. Some REITs do have special tax considerations, but <clears throat> there's two things you have to look at if you're interested in the tax benefits. One is, does that REIT do something that is tax uh, uh, benefited because some REITs do things like they invest in um, defaulted notes, all right, and there's no there's no special tax benefits to be gotten out of them. And the other question would be to, with your own CPA, uh, would you be eligible for those tax benefits? Because it's not necessarily the case that every person who invests in everything involved in real estate gets all the tax benefits, depending on what else you do, your income, and so on. So uh, they pay dividends based on how the asset is performing. And if the asset is not performing, then as as with any uh, sort of security, you are not going to uh, get returns or you may not get the returns that you expected. Um, I think, you know, I don't invest in REITs myself. The people that I know that do invest in them tend to uh, try to invest in ones in property classes that that they think are hot or that they have read are you know important asset classes at that time and because you can move in and out of them you're not generally in a REIT trapped you don't you know you put your ten thousand and it's just got to stay there uh, you can of course move that money around so uh, I hope that was what you were looking for um, you can always of course go to uh, Google and read more about uh, REITs in in general and specific types of REITs in particular. Uh, we thank you for your call. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate. You can give us a call at 877-772-9658 or you can send an email by going to askvina.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate, as it is on the last Wednesday of every month here on Real Life Real Estate. Had a variety of interesting questions come in already, and I'm sure you are sitting there with the most interesting question of them all and thinking, oh, but no one wants to know that. Oh, that's, that's, not, that's not correct. Everybody, everybody wants to know the answer to your question. And if I think that's not true, I just won't read it. How about that? 877-772-9658 is the number to call if you are listening to us from outside the greater Cincinnati area. If you are listening to WMKV on your radio, you can just call our local number at at 772-9658. Or you can always go to askvina.com. That's A-S-K-V, like in Victor, E-N-A dot com. You will find on that website a button that says submit your question to Vina or ask Vina a question or something like that. And you will also see a button there that says um, get in on Real Life Real Estate's weekly e-letter. If you do that, we will be sending you an e-letter every Tuesday or Wednesday telling you what is coming up on the show and providing you with an interesting and valuable article for you to read 
to increase your knowledge about real estate investing. And of course, you can unsubscribe anytime. So <laughs> why are you just sitting there? Askvina.com. We're going to go back to the phones. Line one, Mike calling from Cincinnati. Mike, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Vina. Thank you. I have a question about a tenant that I want to evict. I, um, she's been in the house for about three years, and it's been problems from day one as far as keeping the yard clean, paying the rent on time. It's just been one thing after another. Mm-hmm. I would. My question has to do with the process to use in order to do a, uh, a what I would like to do is a no-fault eviction or a no-cause eviction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to know, what do I still have to give a three-day notice or do I just give a 30-day notice? How would that work? Uh, this is in Ohio? Yes, it is. Okay, yeah. It's it's the same 30-day notice. You, you don't have to give her a three-day unless you know she doesn't pay her rent. Three-day notices are for evictions with cause and cause is I didn't they didn't pay their rent or occasionally you can get by with a cause like they have a dangerous dog or the police tell me they're dealing drugs out of the property that sort of thing Uh, unfortunately not keeping the yard up is not is not a cause that will allow you to do a three-day notice so you need to do a 30-day notice and you need to do it on April 30th because as we talked about with uh somebody earlier on in the show um the the 30 days has to encompass an entire rental period mm-hmm. meaning that if you delivered on april 30th what it would say is you need to be gone by june the first because that, encom- right. that encompasses the entire may rental period now about nine chances out of ten when you deliver that notice you won't get your may rent and at that point, you can go ahead and deliver when the when the late rent period is up. You can go ahead and deliver that three day notice and proceed for non payment of rent, which will actually probably be a little bit faster. I'll tell you what the real um, the real problem is with these owner wants possessions evictions is when tenant doesn't pay her May rent and you go over there on June first and she's still there. Mm-hmm. And then you can do a three day, but now instead of not getting you know one month's rent plus another half plus it takes you half a month to clean it out and get it back on the market. So instead of living, losing potentially two months rent, you can lose three or or four months rent in that case. So uh, you actually kind of hope she doesn't pay her rent on May the first, because then you can go ahead and proceed immediately with that three day notice. Okay, and on the uh, no cause eviction, is there any? Any reason that the tenant might show up and, and get that turned back or turn you know have the magistrate deny the eviction? No, she's not on she's not on a lease, right? I mean, it's been three years. Yeah, it's a month to month. Yeah, yeah. There's there there's it's just hey, it's my house. I want possession of it. I'm giving you legal notice of that. There's really not much a tenant can do to, um, as you say, turn that back. Um, the uh, uh, a, a really like hyper-educated tenant who, and by that I mean they, they understand the legal system better than you do, can play some games with trying to get continuances and so on, but there, there's 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 basically no, there's no affirmative defense where she can say, oh no, mm-hmm. I get to stay and here's why. Okay. Okay. And then uh, one more quick follow-up. The 30-day notice is there in Ohio, is there a standard format that it has to comply with? Like yeah, the three-day notice. I believe you can. Yeah, I believe you can download that uh, from the uh, 
county website, and if not, uh, call the county and see if they have one, and if that doesn't work. Uh, are you a member of Cincinnati RIA? Yes, I am. Okay, uh, up on the RIA website in the member section, there are, I believe, standard uh, three-day and 30-day notices. Okay, great. Okay. Thank you very much for your help. All right, thank you very much for your call, Mike. Uh, we're going to go back to the phones and talk to Margie in Vermont on line two. Margie, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Oh, thank you very much. I'm Hi, how are you today? I'm good. And you wanna, you're going to want to turn down your, I assume, computer because you're going to hear Got me it. seven seconds after you're hearing me through the phone. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. Um, so, Vina, I have your course and I think you're amazing. And I... Um, have had some situations where I put things under contract so far and scrambled to get buyers and then things just don't happen within the time period and then I kind of get a little bit of paralyzed, but I'm still plugging along. And the last thing that happened to me was I put the contingency in, contingency in there um, for buyer's equity partner approval and they removed that and then they signed the purchase and sale contract. And so I just, I'm, I'm at the situation where I have a signed purchase and sales contract right now with that removed, and I just wondered if that inspection clause is just going to clear me no, no matter. Well, Margie, actually, you are not in contract on that property. I, okay. I, I assume that what happened is you sent them, you sent them a contract signed by you, and then yeah. they crossed something out and yeah. then signed it and sent it back, right? That is correct. Okay. You are not in contract on that because the other side does not get to unilaterally change the terms and then say, okay, Margie, now you, you, have, you can do it, but you have to do it our way. Uh, until, okay. until you have initialed that change, thus accepting it, you don't have a contract. So okay. you can certainly go back to them and say, you know what? Um, I can't, my equity partners will not even look at this, will not even look at a property unless I have it under contract. So I can't, and I, and I can't do the deal without them. So I can't accept this change. Do you want to go back to our original contract or do you just want me to tear this up because we're not in contract? Okay. Uh, so, that makes sense. <laughs> so, um, I, that's, yeah, don't, you're, you don't, don't 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 get into panic mode. People can't people can't change. I mean, what if they change the price? What if, what if they right. change, they would have said no? We won't I mean, take fifty, but we'll take fifty five. That doesn't that doesn't put you in contract at fifty five. That's you know it's just like, that's really a counter offer is what it is. We will accept your price, but we don't want this term. Is what they've said. Right. So I wasn't really sure then. I thought, okay, do I then take that out and do a new contract with that out of there and give it back to them knowing that I have that inspection and is that going to be able to cover me enough? Yeah, the an inspection contingency, if it's broadly enough written, you know, if it says basically I get to do as many inspections as I want and if I don't like the outcome of them, then I don't have to buy the property, uh, obviously gets you out of a contract if you say, yep, I got my inspections and I didn't like them. Now, if it's very narrowly written, like some, some board contracts, they say it must be a written inspection. The inspection must be done by a certified home inspector. It must be delivered to our door uh, during a quarter moon in the spring. And if, if not, then you have no rights here. Uh, but I assume you're using a, a contract similar to, to my contract that has a real broadly written 
inspection clause? I am. Okay. I just and I thought, well, I can just send it back to them and take that out of there and just leave that inspection clause in there and that should be okay. Yeah, you you can do that. Who who is the other who are you dealing with here? Is it a is it a seller? Is it a, an agent? Is it an attorney? Who's who's the other person? It's a for sale by owner. Okay. Okay, so you actually could have a conversation with them. I mean, okay, you, you and might... we've had a couple of conversations so far, and it's very friendly and good. Uh huh. So, so um, have, have you tried the one about my equity partners are, are very, very busy, busy people who look at a lot of properties, and they won't even look at one of mine unless I have it under contract. So I can't um, take this out because I can't get approval without them looking at it, and I can't. They won't look at it without a signature. Right. No. Haven't had that conversation. Got the contract back and went. Oh, okay. Now what do I do? So. <laughs> yeah, you can do it. You can do it your way. It's no. It's not going to be a problem. Okay. All right. Great. I'm just. I'm just. Great. I'm just giving you. You know, another option when you're when you're talking to a human being and they don't understand why something's there. Sometimes they turn it down not because they really mean to turn it down because they don't understand it. So I'm suggesting maybe you help them understand it. And if that doesn't work and you still want to be in contract, then you can go ahead and initial the change and send it back to them and you're good. Now, let me ask you another question, Margie. You said you've had a couple of, a couple of these under contract and they haven't gone anywhere because you haven't been able to find a buyer for them. That's True. Okay. Have those, how, uh, where have those typically been coming from? Are those marketing leads, MLS properties? Where they are all for sale by owners that I have a virtual assistant calling now. Mm-hmm. And are these are these uh, true wholesale deals, or are they lease option assignments, or are you trying you're trying to get them under contract for a low price and then find a buyer for them? Is that what's happening? One one is. I actually think um, it would work better as a lease option deal, um, and the other one we were trying to do as a wholesale. Mm-hmm. Did any buyers come to see it? No, no, I haven't. Um, no. Okay, I, I'm just I'm trying to I'm trying to help work out what the issue is here because there's. Uh, there's a couple of things that that can happen once you have a property under a contract and start marketing it. One is nobody comes to see it. One is people come to see it, but they don't want it at that price. And one is they come and see it and they want it and they can't write the check for it. <laughs> so they're, they're, and they're different problems. Um, if, if, if no one is coming to look, there's there's probably two issues. Number one, I'm guessing you don't have a sizable buyers list at this point. Um, I don't have a sizable buyers list. I have about forty people on a buyers list, and I'm putting the deals out to the buyers, and I'm not getting any. You know, I'm not getting any hits. I guess to say. Well, it sounds um, like I, you've got. It sounds like you've got forty people on a list, not forty buyers on a list. Um, buyers well, buy things. I have, 40 people on a list who have said to me what they want and what they they are looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it is different areas, mm-hmm. a different area than what they're looking for. So they're just, I'm not bringing them what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And you got no feedback, n- nothing along the lines of, wow, I like the area, but price is too high, house is too small. 
Right. It's really recent, though. It's just as in getting this contract back today. And oh. so I'm just t- trying to really, well, I mean, with that change on there. Yeah, that's super been, recent. Uh, <laughs> and so I've been trying to get the, you know, I'm just, I get a little stuck. Like I get the contract and I get, okay, I can do this. And then I mm-hmm. say, well, where am I going to market this to? How am I marketing this to my buyers? I guess mm-hmm. that's probably where I'm just falling short. Well, you're going to send it out to all of your buyers, but then you're going to make and 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 you're going to do that in such a way as to appeal to them. I see a lot of wholesalers that when they send out marketing for their buyers, they say, oh, "It's a beautiful home right across the street from a park with a lovely twenty by fifteen redwood deck," and it, it sounds like they're trying to sell a house to a homeowner. As opposed right. to what investors want to know, which is how much am I going to make? How much is it going to cost right. me to make that? And you know, is this a good is this a good rental? Is it a good lease option? Is it a good retail deal? I mean, if I I get I get two three emails a day from people who are trying to wholesale me deals, and if all they say is here's the address, here's the price, I, I'm like, yeah. So you want me to do all the research to decide whether I should respond to your email or not? You know, and and I, I like it better when they tell me, you know, both the pros and the cons of the property, but really tell me how much profit they've left for me in there because then I can make a decision about whether to call them or not. You're also going to pick up the phone and call the ones who have identified that area in addition okay. in addition to the email. And, you know, bandit signs work and Craigslist ads without photos or addresses work. And, um, you know, just it, once, once you get this worked out with this seller, obviously job one is put it out in as many ways as you can think of to as many people as you can think of until you have your check. Sounds great. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And I appreciate your advice. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for your call, Margie. Uh, we're going to take one last quick break. It's question and answer week on real life real estate. If you still have a question, just go ahead and go to askvina.com, send it via email, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer week on Real Life Real Estate. And we have gotten some awesome questions today, but this I just received what may be the best question I have ever gotten from a listener on Real Life Real Estate. So good, in fact, that I'm not going to answer it. Um, George and I were here plotting about how to do an entire show about this question. This is from Darren in Detroit. He says, if you were to start all over again with no money in this market, what would you do? Great question. Yeah, and I'm thinking we could like go back through the archives and pull out the guests who've been really successful and just ask each one of them the question and we'd have an entire show. And we'd mm-hmm. get different answers <laughs> depending mm-hmm. on depending on who it was. So Darren, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to stew on that one for a while. I know what my answer would be, but I'm going to stew on that one and see if we can figure out a way to get like 10 different people to answer it all in one show. I mean, George is, you know, kind of a, a <laughs> brilliant, you know, guy radio wise, but I'm not sure how we can really pack like 12 people in here. That's a good question. Lots of phone calls. We could we could get them on the phone. That's and true. We could just coordinate. Just keep rotating them and then edit the show together and have it as a pre-recorded. Perfect. There we go. There you go, Darren. Thank you for your question. Just stay tuned. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I, I'm serious. I'm going to do that like before before June. That would be a great show. Uh, okay. So a uh, question from this is from Anthony in Donora, Pennsylvania. I think I think I'm pronouncing that right. Donora, Donora. Uh, hi, sweet Vina. Well. How do you know I'm sweet? Have you been listening to the program today? 
Dude, I quit smoking. I'm about as sarcastic as they come right now. Uh, love the radio show. I'm a regular listener. I was wondering what your thoughts were on the luxury short sale market. Well, Anthony, ask me what I think of the short sale market. <laughs> because I don't think much of it right now. It is a major pain in the rear end to get short sales done, uh, particularly at um, investor type prices. Uh, and it is a double pain in the butt if you are not a real estate agent. Real estate agents actually have a, 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 an easier time, I think, getting short sales negotiated than we do as buyers. Now ask me what I think of the luxury market. Risky. So what do I think of the luxury short sale market? A risky pain in the butt is what I think of it. Now, there might be somebody out there who's doing really, really well in that because, you know, if whenever there's a niche like that that people don't know how to deal with, if you learn how to deal with it and there's a market for it, obviously there's a ton of money to be made. But um, I've been I've been pitched on that idea. I've seen seminars on it. Um, I have never, you know, we don't have a ton of um, like uh, oceanfront properties here in Cincinnati. So it it's um, not been anything that I've looked at and said, wow, that's super appealing. Let me run and do that. Uh, but I'm sure there are folks out there who are being successful with it who would totally disagree with everything I just said, which is fine. You asked me what I thought. Uh, one time for one last question. This one is from Tom in We Don't Know Where. Tom says, are you using land trust to purchase and sell properties? If so, who do you use as your trustee and your beneficiary? Uh, well, Tom, yes. I and most other investors use land trusts to purchase and sell properties. Uh, the beneficiary, uh, that's the person who actually controls the trust, is going to depend. Is is it a property I intend to hold, in which case it will be one of my entities? Is it a property that I am effectively wholesaling, in which case it's going to be somebody else's entity, my buyer's entity? Uh, but it's going to be an entity in either case. It's uh, very rare that the I end up with a land trust that has a person as the beneficiary. On the other hand, the trustee in most states has to be an individual person. It cannot be a uh, an entity. In, that's not true everywhere in the country, but it certainly is in Ohio. And the most important thing about a trustee is not that they live in another country or that they can't be found. It is that you trust them because they are really able to... Um, sell your property out from under you or mortgage it or anything they want to do. Now that's illegal, but that, you know, they can still do that. So it's somebody you trust. Often it's a family member or an attorney. Thank you very much for your call, Tom, and to everyone else for their calls here on Question and Answer Week on Real Life Real Estate Investing. We will most definitely be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.